All right, all right. We are back for another week of AMP discussions here on the AMP platform by Amazon. This is actually pretty cool. Glad this thing came around. Glad you guys are here for it. Listen, my name is Mr. Benj. I am a former video game developer, programmer, uh, consultant. I've done design. I've done fine art. And I've done a little bit of production art, but not too much of that. Most of my work in the game industry was in design and programming. So that's what I'm going to be talking about from today. Because one subject that's been on everyone's mind and everyone has been talking about is the rise of the AI overlords. How is this AI thing going to change everything? Will it change everything? What's it already done? Are we losing our humanity? Dystopian future? Utopian future? We're not totally sure. We never really are with these things, but there's some key differences with AI that I want to get into later in the show that make it different from every other technological advance that we've had. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to discuss some things. As always, please uh, definitely follow along, uh, share the show if you'd like to get some other people's opinions in on it. We'll talk about what we're what we're thinking, what we're seeing in our our side of the world, our side of the the planet, the the cyberspace metaversal ecosystem, whatever you want to call it. But I just want to thank everybody for following along. Um, last week, we started this thing up kind of in force, and I decided to go ahead and double down on this this AMP thing. Um, definitely liking it over here, meeting a lot of cool people. It's still a young platform, but I'm going to go ahead and rock with it. And if you're here on live, uh, go ahead and throw me a hi in the chat. I want to want to see who's around, see who's doing whatever. And, uh, you know, as we go through, I'll definitely be able to integrate your comments into into what I'm discussing today. So the way this goes is I, I've always had my podcast on on other platforms and trying it here in a radio show format is what I'm going to do for. For I don't know, I don't know. I'm, I said I would try this out for a month. I really like AMP, so. Even if I don't do my podcast as I'm doing it now, then I'm going to still be showing up and playing music here. So don't worry about me leaving on you like that. But I'll be um, I'll be in the spot just depending on how I how I feel about the platform and the response I get. That's how I'm going to go forward. Anyway, some updates. We we just put out the Spider-Verse show and the the Apple Vision Pro show. Those are now released. Some really good discussions came out of that. And I'm wondering if I should lean more into a tech angle. I think that's that's kind of working for me. People are digging that. We'll have more discussions on that end. And, you know, we'll keep some more of the... I still want to keep my Thoughtful Thursdays going on. But this Thursday, I'm going to have my Father's Day show. So that should be an interesting one. Uh, my father was an artist who really put me on the visual arts and got me in, in the direction of thinking creatively and making big moves in the in the art space showed me the art world showed me through museums things like that we'll get into that all in the all on the friday i mean the thursday show and that'll be my my father's day show so join in for that if you can all right so yes this is this is the add experience where we use the power of art design and development to create a better world for us and those that we care about I'm your host, Mr. Benja, former video game developer and lifelong creator. I want to personally thank you for creating good things in this world. If you haven't done so, go ahead and drop a comment or a like while you're here. Let me know what you're thinking about. And to make sure I'm not lost in the mix, go ahead and subscribe and share. That was the intro I was supposed to say at the very beginning instead of that chatter I said before. So go ahead and... 
I apologize for that. Anyway, uh, what else is going on? Also, show versus business is going strong. That is my my business and uh, creative podcast that I do with my old college friend Theo Harvey. You can find that at Show versus Business on all the platforms as well. That's um that's more along the lines of the intersection of the the money side of things with the creative side of things in popular media. So every week we come together with the show. We do five little segments on that show and get into a lot of the back and forth and the behind the scenes and how things work in those two. And there's always seems to be this struggle between the show side of things and the business side of things. In fact, I'm having that struggle right now with uh, this podcast. You know, I just want to do the show side, but then the business side and the marketing side, sales and branding comes in and asks you to do things on the other side. So there's always this back and forth that you're going to get with the uh, show and business. And that's what I'm going to be. Um, that, that comes along every week. So that's a totally separate podcast, but be sure to check that out if you're into that sort of thing. And yes, so for today's show, Rise of the AI Overlords, we're going to be discussing a little bit about uh, going over very quickly on some of the mis misperceptions or misconceptions of artificial intelligence and AI, um, talk about how it's going to affect these different industries that we've we've really not expected AI and automation to impact the way it, it's uh, expected to do in the future. And we're going to just get into a little bit of humanity and creativity, because at the end of the day, we don't just want to be as humans. We don't just want to be automatons. We don't just want to be cogs in this big machine system. So what are we going to do about it? What are we going to, what are we going to position ourselves for? And what are we going to do about it in the future? And, and can we coexist peacefully with this technology that seems to be running on its own? I'm not totally sure. The world isn't totally sure, but we're going to talk about it. And I hope that the information I give you is going to be valuable. And you'll, I'll probably be discussing an area that you have familiar, familiarity with. And maybe you'll get some insight. Maybe you'll show me some insight. Uh, leave it in the chat if, you, if you've got something to share that I should be aware of or that we can discuss on the show. As I said, well, we're going to go through the meat of this, then some questions, some Q&A. As always, I'll get, in the, get with the chat as we go along. But for now, let's get into this thing called AI, artificial intelligence. One of the most confusing, one of the most often misunderstood, one of the most potent, possibly, technologies to ever touch the human race. And I mean that with all seriousness. I mean, we're talking about a major global change, possibly. I mean, there, there have been a couple, right? But this is going to be one of the major ones. So what exactly is AI? Well, there's a, there's a common definition that everybody has in their head. And then there's a more academic, more technical definition. So let's go with the common definition first. And this is kind of what people will tell you when you ask them, what do they think AI is? And they think, hey, oh, well, AI is when a computer can think, basically. It's, it's talking, behaving, acting like a human. It's just, it's alive. It's doing intelligent things. And we have this idea of intelligence as, I'm smart, I can talk, I can think, I'm intelligent. So when a computer can do kind of what I can do, then we'll call a computer intelligent. Okay, that's a, that's a fair definition, it's, it's fine. 
And as I said, it's the, it's the commonplace definition that everybody will give you. So when you hear someone talking about AI, they immediately start thinking of an actual living being. So when you're talking to your, like we, we've talked about Siri before, Siri, Cortana, you know, the Hey Google feature and all that, uh, Alexa. And these are interfaces. That's not really artificial intelligence yet. In fact, um, well, let me go ahead and give the more technical definition. And the more academic and technical definition would be an, uh, a, a programmed, a computerized system that can use intel that it has gathered to consider, think through, make decisions, and respond in ways similar to a human. So that would be artificial intelligence in the more technical sense. How is that different from the commonplace definition? Well, it starts to get into what, com what artificial intelligence is not, and that's very important to put forth and make a distinction of. So artificial intelligence is not necessarily robotics. We're not necessarily talking about actual physical robots with gears, arms, legs, walking through the world, taking over. Yes, there was the movie AI, which had a young robotic kid, um, which is a very excellent movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. You can check that out later. But it's not necessarily robotics. All you need is the computation to satisfy the artificial intelligence part of it. So as long as you have an interface and you can uh, speak with, reason with, play with, interact with in some way, then you could have artificial intelligence. So it doesn't necessarily need a, a robotic body. That, that'll come later, and robotics is another discussion. If you want me to talk about that, let me know in the comments, and we may get around to it. Also, it's not automation. So a lot of people are confusing this with automation or basically doing what we already do just faster. Like someone I was talking to said they well, yeah, it's basically just an advanced version of search. And I said, ah, not exactly, because it's doing a bit of thinking. In general, AI is doing thinking that is not limited to simply automation. Automation is, you know, repeating a task over and over, doing it a lot, and being able to make decisions based on some some calculation or something. So it's it's an automated process. Like when you press a bunch of buttons on a phone, it automatically calls some other thing. It's not thinking about it. It's just an automated process, right? That's automation. And artificial intelligence isn't, it's a little more also than calculation. Now we have calculators, right? Where we can just type in some numbers and say, this times this, give me the square root, give me the, you know, the integral uh, or of this, um, give me the, the, the limit and the, you know, start doing some polynomial factoring and all this. That's just calculation, basically mathematics. When you put numbers in, they go into specific places and a specific answer comes out the other side. That's computation and calculation. We've already got that. We've, we've made it that far already. So this is more than just automation, more than just simple calculation. And also there's lookup. Now, a lot of you may, who are familiar with video games, you know, you may think, well, the computer's obviously thinking. It's obviously, you know, doing doing a lot of complex things. I, I play strategy games. I play play chess. I play all these other games, and the computer's obviously intelligent. 
Yes, but there's one factor that's missing out of there that we'll get to in a second. A lot of these systems are just doing lookups. Basically, they've taken a lot of data, a lot of past information. In the case of chess, it was a lot of chess games, uh, previously played games, previous situations. And they're basically looking up in all these tables what to do. So uh, you probably remember your times tables from school where they had the big chart that they'd show you, you know, with the the one through 10 on the top and the one through 10 on the left side, and you would see all the numbers in between when you multiply them together. So you have your five times nine, you look up the five, you look up the nine, you see 45, boom. That's a lookup. And a lot of video games use extremely complex versions of lookups to do calculation, I mean, to uh, proceed, to be perceived as intelligent. So it's basically just looking up a bunch of factors. Let's say you're playing a football game, uh, you know, you're playing Madden or something. What it does is says, well, it's going to look in this table and say, hey, I'm down by this many points. The lookup table says I should probably kick a field goal. And it may roll the dice or whatever and use a probability table, not just a straight number table. But oh, even better, if you play Dungeons and Dragons or, or you know, the Marvel superheroes, um, game by TSR, you know, those use, those use lookup tables where you basically roll the dice and you see if you go over this number, you've done a critical hit. If you've gone this far, you've done a miss. Um, if you hit this number, you need a re-roll, etc. These are basically just lookup tables. So this is how artificial intelligence has been presented before, where it's not really doing the artificial intelligence thing, but it's good enough to say, hey, the computer's doing smart things because it just beat me in chess. It just beat me at Madden and all it's using is lookup tables. So one other thing that people try to get off on you and say computers aren't really intelligent is when they say they use algorithms. And you obviously heard alg the al term algorithm in terms of how, how the social media networks are using them to define what we see and how things are fed to us in their, in their systems. So when you have an algorithm, you're looking at a series of processes, steps, and decisions used to make a final, used to come to a final answer. So it, that differs from a formula, which is basically you're just plugging in numbers and running math on it. With an algorithm, you can do, it's a lot more general and generic where you can look up, you can go through and say, hey, well, if I see somebody who's over this age and they've looked at this many profiles and they've also clicked on an ad five times, then I'll serve them this ad. But if they've already seen the ad two times already, go and get them a different ad that they've never seen before. That's a series of steps and not necessarily a formula. If you catch the difference there. So if you go look up something like, uh, like when you're giving someone directions to the mall, you don't give them a formula to get to the mall. You're like, hey, listen, you're going to take a right at the intersection, go down about five streets, and you'll see a McDonald's. After you pass the McDonald's, stay in your right lane, and you'll see the exit, get off the exit, go down the highway, and then you'll see the signs for the mall, get off there. If there's too much traffic, drive around the back and park there, whatever. It's just a series of steps with variable choices along the way. Those are algorithms. And algorithms can kind of behave like intelligence because you're like, oh, well, this thing is doing interesting things and 
I'm following along, it seems like it's smart. Yes, it can seem that way, but it's kind of just following um, a pattern and some of your previous information. So where's the artificial intelligence that we're looking at now? Where does it get different? So now we have to look at the actual definition of artificial intelligence and why this era is different. First of all, you have a fundamental difference in scale. Before, when you were looking at algorithms, when you were looking at processes and lookup tables, you were dealing with relatively small amounts of data. Now, what these systems are doing is using something called large language models. Uh, well, one of the things they're looking at is large language models, but they're looking at these huge, very, very huge data sets. I'm talking about gigabytes of just text. And if you know how much text information takes up on your hard drive, it's minuscule. So to have gigabytes of text sitting around is crazy. They're using these huge, huge stores of data, of text, to be able to learn from. That's the first part of it, that they have huge basis of information to learn from. Now, the second part of that I mentioned was the learning part of it. And this is where intelligence comes in at because the actual meaning of the word intelligence relies on intel. You have to have that data, that information to look at and learn from just like humans do. Humans look at things and they actually learn from it. And this is where the difference is coming in. And this is gets called machine learning, right? So now that you're, you've got these huge systems going through all this data and they're learning. So what do you mean they're learning? So a computer doesn't know the difference between a picture of a cat and a picture of a dog. What it does know is that if you give it a stack of pictures and say, yes, these are all cats and a stack of pictures and say, these are all dogs, the computer has to go through it somehow and start figuring out what is what. So it starts looking at, okay, well, there are orange cats over here, but there are also some dogs that look kind of orange. Hold on. I'm trying to figure this out. Now, you know, humans have very advanced and highly evolved processes for figuring out what things are different and how to categorize. And we can easily adjust to new information. Like, oh, sure, that's a cat. Yeah, they have fur. And oh, wait, there's a furless cat. Okay, well, a couple of them have no, no fur on them. So they're skinless cats, whatever, still a cat. Why it meows? Okay, sure. And humans have a very easy way of figuring this out. Computers, on the other hand, are doing something different. They're, they're just trying to go through and figure out in whatever ways are available to them. They don't have the context of animals. They don't have the context necessarily of, you know, fur and touch. They're just looking at imagery or they're just listening to sounds or they're just looking at bits of data. They don't have this rich thing we call the five senses or context or discussions. So yes, now we have computers that are taking all this data that we've amassed and they're learning from it. And this is why the technology is coming around now, because before we didn't have these huge storage areas of data. We only had, you know, I mean, a, a relatively small amounts of data here and there that we could use. Now we've got people adding ginormous amounts of data to the internet every day. And it's just feeding into the system. So now the systems are actually learning. 
So yes, you've got a fundamental difference of scale. You've got the fact that they're learning. And here's another reason why they're different that you may not have thought of. There is no physical boundary. With all the other releases in technology, there was a physical boundary. So even though you could make a tire, a wheel, you're still kind of limited to the, the wheel needs to be built. You need to have the rubber made or depending on what type of wheel it is, you know, um, you know, maybe a metal wheel if you're talking about a train or whatever, but there was still a physical barrier to what that wheel could do. And even if you could make an awesome wheel, you still have to have the machine sitting on top of it to be able to make the wheel interesting. So there are all these physical limitations like, well, I can, I can develop a wheel. It's like, yeah, we don't have roads. It's like, all oh, right, well, now I got roads. Yeah, they don't go everywhere and, you know, still kind of bumpy and uh, the wheels, wheels break. And there are all these physical limitations. So that slowed technology down. We don't have so many of those technological limitations anymore because there is no physical boundary. The computer is just evolving on its own within the space of its own medium, which is the Internet or whatever large network of computers you're talking about. And we're barely starting to tap into what it can do. In fact, we're holding it back because we're not quite sure what it's going to do if unleashed. We have to keep this stuff at bay. We have to keep the technology under control, under su close supervision. Because yes, these things can go out of control and start doing things that we don't necessarily intend for them to do. I'm not, not going to get into a, a doomsday scenario. That's not what I'm here for. But I do want to let you know that is a concern and a thought. Not just from Elon Musk either. Uh, the, head of, the head of OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT is also Sam Altman. He's also been very concerned as now been talking to governments and large institutions about how we can make sure this AI thing works with us and for us, not against us and over us. Also, one other thing that makes this different is the fact that you don't need to wait on humans. Now, I kind of mentioned that with there's no physical boundary, but you don't need to wait on us. Like we were actually holding computers back in terms, terms of the technology back in terms of the physical nature of it, where before, if you wanted like a new version of a wheel, you'd have to have somebody, some actual person go and figure out that next version of the wheel. Or, you know, maybe wheels a little bit of a, an easy example uh, or too simple of an example. Let's say nuclear technology. We had to actually have people go in a room and decide that they wanted to make the next version of the nuclear technology. And then, of course, we bump into all those physical limitations again. We don't know what we're doing. There are safety concerns, et cetera, et cetera. We need a, you know, a huge research facility that's very safe. And so there's all this money poured into building this structure just so we can test something out. There's a lot of physical and social limitations, but humans were holding things back. So now, if I just put this thing in a computer and say, hey, I need you to run this, run this artificial intelligence learning module. Let me know what you come up with when I get back in a couple days. No telling what it's going to come up with. So this is why we're looking at something different right here. And that's what some of what's making it crazy right now. 
So that also separates it from the commonplace idea of, you know, oh, it's just a computer, just a calculation, it's just artificial intelligence. That's what we're dealing with. And the machine learning part of it, once again, is being able to teach a system how to how to learn, have it learn on its own, given data. So it's not just having data and learning, it's starting to make its own conclusions. It's starting to say, you know what? I looked at this information over here and looked at this information over here, and I'm starting to see a parallel. Maybe I'll put that information off to the side. It may come in useful later. Now, what about these two pieces of information? I'm looking at all my, I'm looking at all the people under, under, uh, under, on Facebook. Okay. These people all subscribe to this guy and these other people all subscribe to this person. Maybe there's some information here. Maybe there's a schism between these groups of people that I should look into. It may be a political thing. Maybe a social thing. It may be a, just an interest thing. But the computer is starting to look at all these different pieces of information or variable, and it's starting to make its own conclusions. That is the learning part. Now, back to calculations. This is more than just statistical analysis. This is the computer actually starting to do things on its own. And yes, there's a version of supervised and unsupervised learning and deep learning. But for the sake of this discussion, we're not going to get into all of that. Unless, of course, you have some questions that you want to throw in the chat. So those are the differences. And that's where we're that's where we're we're at right now. We're in the we're in this era of a new system of machine learning. That's the, the key word. If you ever want to throw it out there is we have systems now that are capable and already enacting machine learning at scale at levels that are fundamentally different and meaningful than they were in the past. So now we're gonna see all these companies get involved, all these institutions starting to make plays. And that's what I'll get into in a little bit on the next segment. When I'm thinking about AI and this computer stuff, it moves very quickly and it moves without you. As soon as you get a, get a good technology under your belt, it seems like it's being replaced with something else and you have to learn something new. Well, what I've come to learn is there is no mastery of technology. There is just keeping up to date. Chat, I think I may have gone out. Let me know if you can still hear me. Let me know how it's going for you. All right, we are back. All right, little hiccup with, uh, with Amazon's AMP, but let me tell you, Amazon is listening to our conversations. You should all know that. And that's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but they're listening to so many conversations. It's not a, they're probably not going to be able to pinpoint you for anything. Anyway, hey, Gypsy Love. Thanks for popping in. Glad you're enjoying the talk. So yeah, here's where it gets interesting, right? I was just saying about Amazon Alexa, Apple. We talked about them last week. Google is doing big things with Bard. You got OpenAI and ChatGPT. You've got Dolly, MidJourney. You've got HubSpot, Oracle. All these companies putting huge amounts of money into AI. Why? Is it the same thing as crypto? Well, 
you know, crypto technology still is actually valid. It's just not that, it's just that as a consumer product, it's not really terribly useful. But the actual technology of the blockchain is still useful to companies and is still in use. So that may actually come back into play later. But point being, all these companies are putting big money into AI. Why is that? Why would you want to put all this money into artificial intelligence? Why would you want to put all this money into what could be a fad? Because it's not. We have gotten a fun, as I said before, this is a fundamental shift in how we are relating to these devices. We're relating to these ideas and these concepts. Now, if you think back to when you first got your iPhone, I don't know how old a lot of you are, but the iPhone and the touchscreen era came about when I was, when I was around the whole it's not like everybody had a touchscreen in their pockets. All of a sudden, everybody had one, right? So that was a major change. And the first thing people were saying when Apple released, I mean, because we had ideas about touchscreens. They were around, but they were kind of low quality. They really didn't do what they were supposed to do. Nobody really took them seriously. And buttons were just so much easier. There was no big need to have a screen until Apple came around with the iPhone and was like, look, how about a phone with no buttons? And people said, you're crazy. You're going to tank this company. How am I supposed to talk to people if I have nothing to press? You're stupid, Apple. That's what they were saying. Next thing you know, everybody's swiping, touching, pinching, etc., on screens. In fact, I've watched kids walk up to pictures and start swiping, tapping, and like pinching to see if anything happens. And that's just interesting. I'm, that's, that's kind of amazing that this is happening. So now, it jump years forward when we've got this new technology of AI, people are kind of confused on like, well, isn't it just an advanced version of search? Isn't it just a way to read, have the internet read back to me? And... Not exactly. These companies wouldn't be putting this much effort into it if it was just that. And let me tell you why. One reason is money. Very simply put, you can save a whole lot of money. You could save tens, hundreds of millions of dollars by implementing AI properly into your company. Well, how do you say that? Well, let's look at some jobs. And people are always talking about job loss and losing, losing their their position at a, at a company, losing their, their livelihoods, everything they've worked so hard to get all of a sudden is taken away by AI because a computer can do it better than you. Listen, for most jobs, no one needs that human touch. And even if they do need that human touch, what's going to end up happening is, it, I mean, it's not like a, a computer is going to necessarily take your job wholesale, but suddenly somebody using AI is going to be able to do the job of 10 people. So they won't need you. They'll fire nine of you and keep the one guy who knows how to use AI on his computer. So how does that work? Well, the number one job in America, Amaya Speaks, how you doing? 
sorry, when people throw out Benji, that reminds me of my my old aunt in New Orleans. She was the only one that called me Benji for some reason, so that's why I made the comment. But uh, glad you're here, Amaya. So yeah, it's it's not that AI is going to take your job, but somebody using AI is going to make your job irrelevant. Think about that one. So I'm just going to go over a couple ways that these companies are thinking about implementing AI. And one is always, of course, to stay ahead and become the leaders in this space. But another reason is because they're going to save a lot of money. Now, the number one job in the United States, at least, is, I don't know, can you take a guess? The most commonplace job, not number one, commonplace job. It's cashiers slash customer service. So when you, um, when you call in somewhere and somebody picks up the phone and answers customer service, when you go somewhere and ask them to ring you up, that's a cashier. These two jobs are something that companies have been trying to get rid of for the longest. And it keeps on being cost pro prohibitive to do so easily. It's like, yeah, kids get out of, out of school and they need a job. They sign up. You just tell them, punch some buttons and stand over there. Boom, whatever. They'll, they'll do the job. Listen. Companies think that's cute, but they're not really into that. It's not something they want. Customer service. So I don't know how many of you have played with ChatGPT. If you've played with ChatGPT before, let me know in the chat and let me know what you think of it. But if you've played with ChatGPT before, you can ask it to pretend like it's a it's a phone service operator. You can pretend you can ask it to pretend like it's a a physics professor and you can start asking it questions. So if I used to have a tutoring, a tutoring session with somebody, why not just make an AI program that tutors me in physics? Like I come home and sit at my computer and the physics professor pops up. Hi, I'm AI physics professor. Would you like to continue from yesterday? It's like, sure. All right, well, yesterday you did this. Uh, you were a little slow with, with the thermodynamic reactions. Do you want to go over that again or talk about something new? And you could have a... You, the AI could tutor you. You can get rid of tutors. And I, I, I would call that maybe a, maybe that's another category. I, yeah, I won't put that in customer service and cashiers, but I'll put teaching at, at its own category. But yeah, um, Wingstop, that's another example. Wingstop, is, their stock price is going, going bananas right now because they're implementing AI all over the place. Every time there's a Super Bowl or a big sporting event, the World Cup or something, people are always getting up, calling Wingstop, getting on the phone and saying, hey, I need, I need a big case of wings. I, need with the thai, I like the Thai sauce. I want to make sure we have uh, enough of the regular buffalo wings. I want, and, you know, they start spouting off their order. You know, before they had some guy, some person on the other end of the line listening to you and writing it down. Now, with services like Alexa, Siri, Cortana, they've been practicing what's called natural language processing, being able to process the natural way that people speak. So now if I call into Wingstop, I may just hear, hey, how you doing? I may not even realize that it's an AI. If you've noticed any of these phone, phone voices that you call in, sometimes they don't even give you the option of pressing numbers anymore. They force you to listen to some guy or try to talk to it, right? It's crazy. 
So the most commonplace job in the United States and much of the world is pretty much going away. So that's one indication. Let me go to another one. Um, the legal professions. So a lot of a lot of white collar jobs, people thought they were safe. Uh, let's go to legal. You know, in law, nobody wants to read through all those books. Nobody wants to look through all those old case studies. Nobody wants to actually sit down and learn about, you know, landscaping, zoning laws for the state of California. And, you know, what if they move to another state? They got to relearn all the landscaping laws. It's, it's just tedious work. Nobody, nobody cares. I mean, you might be smart and you might dress nice and hang out with all the lawyers drinking whiskey, but nobody cares. You kind of just want to look up the law and say, the law says this and go about your business. So a lot of the people in the law profession, you know, I'm not talking about your head lawyers, but you have a lot of support people in laws, paralegals, uh, legal aides, legal assistants, a lot of websites now with some lawyers sitting behind a desk waiting on you to send them a form. A lot of that can very easily go away with artificial intelligence. And I'll just speed through the rest of these so I won't waste time here. But yeah, legal and law, and you know, I mean, think about your government setting up a, a website where you could ask law questions. You jump online and say, hey, is it illegal for my neighbor to do this and that? And then it might say, you know, it's totally legal for them to do this, but only from the hours of 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. and da-da-da, that law is up for review next month. Boom. There you go. Now you don't need to call a lawyer and all this jazz. It's just, it's just easier. Another one. Uh, copywriting. All the stuff that you see written about in, um, in ads, in newspapers, in magazine articles, blogs you know, journalistic essays, things for for television shows. A lot of this copywriting, not like the scripted writing, but just the copywriting of how to say something to people, that could easily go away. In fact, most, if you look up any marketing people who are using AI, it's all over the place. They're, they're getting rid of people left and right just so they can use chat GPT or some other system that's come along that'll proofread, that'll reorganize, that'll write emails for you. Say, hey, I want to... You remember the TV shows where, or the situational comedies where you'd see some guy walking around an office and say, secretary, write this down for me. Uh, I need this and that and that and blah, blah, blah. And make sure you invite such and such. And the secretary's like, yes, I'll, I'll write it down. I'll have all this sent out. I'll make sure everybody knows. Yeah, Google is integrating AI into their Gmail systems as we speak. You can probably go look into it and you may be able to get early access right now, but you could have a Gmail system where you just say, hey Gmail, write me a message to my mother saying, I won't be in town for the weekend, so I won't be able to see you on the 4th. I'm sorry, uh, tell dad I'll mail him, you know, a bottle of that famous barbecue sauce he loves so much. And hey, Google, make sure that it's nice and friendly sounding so my family loves it. And keep it under keep it under 50 words. And so, something like that. And it'll write the email for you. Google is already working on that. It's happening right now. And by the way, this stuff is new to the consumer, but has already kind of been 
in use by Google, in use by Amazon and all these other companies behind the scenes. For those of you who don't know, they, I don't want to say hide technology, but they keep technology from the public view until two things happen. They're ready to capitalize on it and they think the audience is ready for it. If they're still making money off of the previous technologies and they're not really ready to come out of the gate, they're not going to come out with it. They're just going to keep on researching it. You know, that's why you can see something like something like a company like Twitter getting rid of 85% of its people. You're like, well, what, what, the, what were the rest of those people doing there? And how come it's still working? Well, the rest of the people may have been researching, trying out new technologies, a bunch of other stuff. But the R&D departments are huge in these companies. And this is what they've been doing behind the scenes all this time is figuring out AI and other technologies that we haven't seen yet. I used to work at, um, at Rockstar Games and uh, in Sony Santa Monica. And these are companies that make big, huge technological master masterpieces, right? The stuff that they're not showing you blows your mind, would blow your mind. And this is at any company. And if it's true for a video game company, it's definitely true for a technology company. And if it's true for a technology company, it's definitely true of your government. They have stuff going on that you have no clue about. I don't know if any of you remember if you were on Facebook, right? A while back. And it, was, it, it wasn't everybody because Facebook doesn't roll out their technology to everybody at the same time. Especially not everybody all at once. Um, but there was the, the face recognition technology where all of a sudden it would say, hey, is this person, do you know this person? And it would show you a picture and ask you to tag that person. Facebook was going through every last one of your images, every last one, and looking at it and saying, okay, is this this other person? Or maybe, okay, oh, wow, these two people aren't friends, but I think I'm seeing the same person in all of these different photos that they both share. Maybe I should suggest that they be friends. That'll make the Facebook connection stronger. So a lot of these things are going on behind the scenes, but nobody was really sitting around thinking, wow, Facebook is the leader of facial recognition technology. And they probably are. They've got the lot. I don't know if you know this. One of the reasons Facebook has so much money is that they are the largest, um, the largest holder of visual information out there or public visual information out there. So many people upload images to Facebook and Instagram. It's not even funny. It's crazy how much visual data they have. So if anybody is able to hold up a picture of an apple, a car, a pear, or something like that, and a computer be able to tell what it is, Meta, the Facebook, Instagram company, Meta is at the forefront of that. In fact, they just recently made a statement that they are going to be integrating AI into every last one of their products. Now, when you think of products, you're probably only thinking, you know, two or three, right? Uh, WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook. No. Uh, when they say products, they're talking about the Facebook marketplace. They're talking about Facebook ads. They're talking about the, the news feed. They're talking about groups. They're talking about Facebook Messenger. They're talking about Instagram. They're talking about Instagram for business. They're talking about all of these little separate technologies that make up their flagship properties. They're putting AI into all of that. 
So you can go look that up right now. But yeah, uh, Gypsy Love, let me know how ChatGPT blows your mind. What have you tried with it? What have you seen? What have you learned? Interesting. It's interesting stuff in there, huh? So some others. Uh, real quick, let me just bl plow through some of these. Medical analysis. Have you ever have you ever run across like an, an older lady and she says, hmm, you don't look so good or, hey, you should have that checked out or I don't know. And they can just kind of tell by looking at you. And a lot of these old ladies will be on point too. They'll be able to tell whether, you know, your your skin's looking correct or not or and you might need to go to the doctor. How do they know? Because they, they can see. They just have the intuition and the sight for this kind of thing. And guess what? Computers do too. And cameras do. So cameras take more data in than our eyes can actually see. So I'm talking about, you know, I and mean, we're not even talking about crazy stuff like infrared or whatever. We're just talking about the regular camera and what it can, what it can pick up, what it can perceive. Can it pick up different, you know, slight undulations in the skin where, where our veins might be showing? Can it pick up wrinkles? Can it pick up ashy skin? Can it pick up, you know, if our skin is glistening because of oil or skin glistening because we've been sweating? Or is it glistening because of the rain or whatever? High-tech cameras can pick this sort of thing up. So when we start talking about the medical field, cameras and just taking pictures of people, if I look at front of my camera every day for like 30 days, I may be able to have my computer tell me, hey, you've, uh, you've been looking at this camera every day for the past 30 days. Your eyes are starting to droop a little bit. Are you getting enough sleep? Do you have early stages of dementia? Are you? And guess what? Guess what the medical field largely is looking at where you were, looking at your where you are and seeing if that matches up to going to a bad place. You know, when you go to the doctor, they always ask you, hey, have you changed your diet lately? I mean, if you've been eating bad food all your life, you know, and you're still fine, they probably don't care anymore. Like, yeah, whatever. But if you change your diet and something goes wrong, it's like, whoa, 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 what'd you change? What happened? What's new? AI will be able to tell you this. I know it sounds silly, but they're putting cameras in refrigerators. So if, if all of a sudden you start getting sick and the AI is looking in your refrigerator and the data gets funneled back to your medical professional or whatever, or what, however, it can, it can work out a lot of different ways. This is just an example. So feel free to call it corny example in the comments, but this is how stuff like this can work. And I've seen stranger ideas actually make it to market. So, but yeah, they can look at your, you could have the camera take data of all your food and all the things you're eating. And let's say a bunch of people get sick all at once. If all these cameras and all these refrigerators notice a pattern like, hey, 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 everybody that got sick lived in a house that had one of these refrigerators in it, and all those refrigerators reported there was some, uh, you know, a bad batch of oat milk from from Walmart. Walmart's, uh, the Walmart brand of oat milk went bad or something. No shade to Walmart, but I've never had their oat milk, so I don't know. Um... You know, that's a way that they could start 
engineering these kind of solutions change the medical field? I don't want to go to some, some old person to have them say, say, ah, and ask me dumb questions. You know, maybe I just want to talk to a computer. Maybe I just want to get my blood drawn by a computer. It probably will do a very, very good job in a lot of cases. And if not for you, think about the countries that don't have access to a lot of doctors. Think about what that could do for them. Let me just start running the blood through, start running the blood test on, on uh, an ent entire population. Start fixing a lot of their problems. And yes, there's a possibility of causing problems too, so... I'm not unaware of that, but let's stay on the bright side here. We have enough dystopian AI talk. What else? Uh, production artistry. People talk about art being a, if you haven't seen the art thing happen already, you need, you're, you're living under a rock and you need to go find somebody that's an artist or who does art that it has a, has an opinion on art and AI that is probably very strong. They're probably upset scared, concerned, mad and angry at the same time, happy about the possibilities, sad about where their jobs are going to go. I mean, if you thought it was bad when you're talking about customer service, say, listen, I don't need a room full of 50 artists making a bunch of trees. If I could have a computer program, just write a bunch of trees that we'll see in the background of a movie for four seconds. Yeah. Give me that instead. That'll cost a lot less. $10,000 art program. Fine, I'll pay it. I'll pay double. Because a $20,000 art program for a movie is nothing in comparison to, you know, a couple artists getting paid rates in California, New York, Austin, Texas, or whatever. Or even if you take it overseas. You know, you want to get your trees done by somebody in Indonesia, Pakistan, China, Russia. Even if you're outsourcing. And that's another hit on the global economy. A lot of the outsourcing is is being affected because why outsource when I can just call on ChatGPT or DALI or MidJourney, Stable Diffusion. So you got design, politics, photography, medical analysis, coding, programming. Even the soft skills like management. I have to talk to somebody? Eh, maybe I don't. Maybe I can talk to an AI. You know, there's already like AI therapy where if you don't feel comfortable talking to a person, you can just talk to a AI. Is it licensed? Uh, no, but I could see that coming. So if I sit down and talk to my computer long enough, maybe it'll tell me, you know what you need to do? You need to do X, Y, and Z. You know what you need to do? You need to do X, Y, and Z. You know, you know, you need to come to grips with such and such. You need to talk to such and such person. You need to resolve these issues. You need to answer these questions for yourself. A lot of these cases where that I'm talking about, it's just people, humans, picking up a piece of paper, going in a book, looking at something, and then turning around and saying, hmm, it's this. I'm a programmer. I know it. It's, yes, there is a certain way of thinking. There's a certain human element that's important, but how important is it? Like, I like talking to a cab driver. I like talking to an Uber driver. I like talking to the pilot of an airplane. But maybe I don't need to do that. Maybe I just need to get in and, and go ride somewhere. Maybe I can get in and start 
FaceTiming with people all over the globe instead of worrying about actually talking to the pilot. Maybe that's just annoying. I know if you've ever been to any place that has a monorail or train system or subway system, yeah, you don't need to actually talk to anybody. You just get in, the doors close. I kind of appreciate it when you can actually talk to people at these at these public gatherings like um, train stations or subway stations. But yeah, there's no there's no driver there. So we can get past that. And we don't need people. We don't te- technically need people for a lot of these things. So what does this all mean? Am I just spouting doom and gloom? I don't think so. Well, now, I was just giving AMP all these props and AMP died on me. And this is how technology goes. Maybe I mentioned Amazon a few too many times. Maybe I mentioned Google a few too many times. Maybe the AI was doing its thing and being booty. Because computers, you know, as much as we want, as much as the technology moves, we don't actually ever sit back and fix the technology. Because by the time we get to some sort of stable area, the technology moves into the next the next place, right? Once we think we've got something figured out, we advance into the next area. And once we advance into the next phase, the next area, things become unstable again. And the more we continually do this, and the faster we jump into the next phase, the more unstable things get, and it becomes a compounding effect where unstable technology relies on more unstable technology and things start to quote-unquote break. Yeah, I don't know if any of you have ever played a game, ran an application, or dealt with any type of technology that you think is going to work, and it just ends up bailing on you. It ends up falling apart. It ends up definitely not performing to expectations. Suppose AI will be doing plenty of that too. But to finish this up, uh, I do want to give some thoughts really quickly on the whole artificial intelligence thing. It's definitely coming. It's already here. There's no reason for companies not to do it. It's too convenient and too freeing for AI to not move forward. So what do you do? Do we we just bow down and let the AI overlords win? No. No. I believe that we can exist in a future where where what we create and how we create it can definitely benefit from AI much more so than it detracts or it it damages us. So the more many more benefits than it takes away if we have discipline about it. And this is the only thing that concerns me with humanity in general is having the discipline to do things that are good for people, not necessarily what makes us happy, but what keeps us safe, what builds us into a stronger community, what holds us together, and what works for all of us in different ways. But of course, people are just going to people are going to resist anyway, and that's and that's fine. People should resist a lot of a lot of these so-called advances. But I do think we can get to a better place. Can we can we administer healthcare more sensibly? Yes. 
Do we need to get money out of the picture? Well, there's a reason they say the love of money is the root of all evil. It causes a lot of problems. So with AI, can we really start fixing problems without making more? Can we really start coming together without marginalizing or tearing apart other communities? Can we really start effectively growing the way we think we can? It's possible, but are we going to do it? I hope so. Because contrary to popular belief, these systems don't do only what we tell them to do. These systems can end up with very human problems and biases, biases, that we don't expect. I'm just going to go ahead and wrap it up there. I've got some AI work to do. I need to get I need to get some things built and I need AI's assistance to do, to build it. So I need to go ahead and get to that. And I won't waste your time anymore. In fact, you know what? I should have used ChatGPT to come up with an outro for this because I really didn't have a strong outro. I'm just over here figuring out what I should say. And that's the human part of it, right? Free-flowing. Letting your emotions speak. Having an actual expression. And hopefully using technology to facilitate that. Not to take it away from us. All right, so that's going to do it for me in this one. Benji's ADD Experience Live. Take what you've learned, apply it here and where appropriate, and go out and create something good. Learn more at my website, mrbenja.com. I know it's currently janky right now. If you want to see the jank before it goes away, go check it out. But I'm rebuilding some parts of it, making it a little more accessible and usable for people. So go there. You'll find the links. You'll find the recommendations. And I appreciate you all. Thank you very much for being part of this. And yeah, send Amazon a letter. Tell them they need to fix up their AMP business. Maybe they need to get their AI on that because right now, some of it's a little booty, but I'm having fun. So until next time, I'll see you. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit mrbinja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.